Hey there. Did you know that both Gary? Hey there. Did you know that both Gary and I uh, do some streaming series? Uh, if you want to watch some old survival horror games, you can go to twitch.tv slash duckfeedtv and watch my Hexcrank Live series. And if you want to watch some strange old NES games, Gary is at twitch.tv slash NES oddities. We have kind of erratic schedules, but we would love to have you along. Once again, that is twitch.tv slash duckfeedtv and twitch.tv slash NES oddities. Thank you. Some of our landings were desperate adventures. We are now prepared to meet the inevitable counterattacks with power and with confidence. My name's Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. And you're listening to Bonfire Side Chat. It's a frozen favorite. <laughs> and uh, this week we are reading your responses to the first part of Irithil of the Boreal Valley. Uh, uh, as always, we let Bob go, but we really appreciate him taking the time and joining us on the main part of this episode. But now we're here to uh, to let you sound off. I'm going to, uh, real quick, I'm going to hijack the, the cast for just a second to do okay. a real quick uh, brief segment of uh, To Better Know Ahmad. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay. Every once in a while, we want to call out people who mo- help uh, mod our uh, Slack channel. Um, mm-hmm. If you go to patreon.com forward slash duckbtv, if you pay $2 a month, you can join us there on Slack. It is a really good community. Mm-hmm. Part of why it is a good community is because we have help. Uh, it has grown to be too big for Cole and I to mod ourselves. Uh, for, so for this episode, I want to call out Dr. Static. Yeah. Um, Dr. Static not only uh, is a fantastic mod of uh, books and comics, uh, movies, like a lot of the media channels uh, mm-hmm. on there but he also was a huge help at the uh, austin uh, classic games fest yeah um this year helped us uh, with equipment and uh things like that uh, we mailed some stuff to his house to make it uh, <laughs> i didn't have to try to carry a poster tube on a plane which is some <laughs> level of hell uh that new uh that new da vinci code movie uh <laughs> when they rearranged the dante's levels of hell uh tom hanks saw one of them and was trying to carry two poster tubes on a plane um so <laughs> He helped me avoid that, so we really appreciate Doctor Static. <laughs> Very much so, um, and uh, he, he's not—he's not just in those channels. He's kind of uh, ever present and always adds a great deal to whatever conversations he, uh, conversation he's in. I haven't met him yet as of the time we're recording, but I'm going to say this: super nice dude. Yeah, yeah, he's, uh, and we will have met him. Yes. So if this, and we're recording it beforehand, so if, uh, <laughs> if anything oh. happens to make us take that back, yeah, I, I'll edit it out. I'll put a marker here, man. It's fine. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't think it will happen. Yeah. Um, he's also doing the uh, kind of uh, the quest to play through every game we've played on Waff. Yeah, uh, which is real fun to watch. Where he's like, <laughs> you know, and it's it's interesting too because it's, you know, I haven't thought about Killer Seven since we really played it. Like mm-hmm. I like that game a lot, but being able to kind of replay it and re-experience it, it's kind of a, a tiny piece of what people say they get from Watch Out for Fireballs. Mm-hmm. Uh, that we're getting is a kind of this this refresher. Yep, except it's like seven levels removed. Yeah, I, yeah it, it is. It's very surreal. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I'll, I will say whatever I I'll, I'll say what I say whenever this comes up. He's trying to play every game for WAF that we've ever done. We've barely done that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know if he's actually beat the games that, that we haven't beat. Ah, okay, uh, but uh, we'll have to see if that if that's true. <laughs> that's um, but still, very cool and super cool dude. I'm really looking forward to meeting him. So. Mm-hmm. Um, Shout out to you, Dr. Static. Yeah. And this has been Better Know a Moderator. And moving on from that, uh, <laughs> we have a little bit of follow-up here. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll go ahead and get started here with Brandon. 
uh, who does a little bit of follow-up. And he says, uh, Hi, Gary and Cole. I'm a little late with this, but I was listening to the appendix episode for the Catacombs of Carthus and realized that nobody mentioned this interesting thing I remembered from when the game was announced. If you watch the gameplay reveal trailer, there's a clip that shows Woolnair in a different location with a pool of water on the floor that kind of resembles the Cathedral of the Deep. So do you guys think this was uh, just as a place to put his uh, put him as a test location or were we supposed to actually meet him there? Yeah. Um, I have no idea. Yeah, I for I forgot about that. I remember seeing that uh, that trailer um, after I played the game and was not too terribly worried about uh, boss or story spoilers. Like, huh, that's weird. Um, <laughs> this <laughs> this lends more credence uh, to some of the weird suppositions about the deep and stuff like that. Like, what if Wolnir wasn't afraid of the of the abyss, but actually the deep, or what if the deep is a profane version of the abyss or flooded or whatever, something like that. That's a that, that is some weird stuff that they decided to change it like that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it is. It is very strange. Um, I have, I have no idea. <laughs> um, I didn't, I didn't think to watch trailers after I played the game because I felt like they would be superfluous. Mm-hmm. I watched the Grindhouse one because I was kind of interested in it because yeah. uh, it's you know stylistically different. Mm-hmm. But other than that, like I have not gone back and watched most of the trailers, so that's kind of cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I like to think that because Carthus feels so tacked on that this mm-hmm. w- was meant to mean something that Cole's right. Uh, because it makes Wolnir make sense uh, in a way that he doesn't really, I think. Yeah. Uh, in the catacombs, or that he does within the catacombs, the catacombs themselves, like in an area where every, or in a game where like every area is tied to another area, mm-hmm. um, the catacombs are kind of uniquely island-like. Yeah. Uh, maybe yes, literally uniquely island. <laughs> like that is that is that is the only uh, the only area in the game that does not have connections to other areas. Mm-hmm. Um. Like with with no sense of exaggeration, I just went like through a quick thing in my mind. And it's like nope, everything else is a web. Um, so that would that explains a lot actually. Yeah. So pretty cool. So, good I'll, good catch, Brandon. I wonder if that'll come up in the design works book. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, quite a bit. So onto the responses about this portion of Urethil. Chase writes in, finding this area uh, is one of the strongest memories of this game for me. After fighting through the Watchers and High Lord, why am I not on the side of a Van Volnir? Um, this frozen city was a great change, uh, change of scenery. Uh, the only thing I don't like about it is that it seems disproportionately difficult compared to the rest of the game. Maybe I'm worse at these games than I thought, but it seems like everything here hits harder and takes more hits than anywhere else in the, in the main game. That's uh, that's largely true. I think that there are part like Lothric, like mid Lothric. When you mm-hmm. start dealing with those knights that have the healers. Yeah. Uh, I think those guys are hit harder and are kind of more frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is, this is a huge spike. Yeah. I think. Yeah. And that is yeah. that, like that opinion is kind of echoed um, kind of across all these responses that mm-hmm. the, you know, nobody should feel bad for finding this area difficult. No. Um, yeah, absolutely. And then, you know, cue a bunch of responses that it's not actually difficult uh, from people, but that's fine. <laughs> that's, that's video games. Um, Nick's, so yeah, thank you. Uh, Oh, thanks, Chase. Uh, Nick says, by contact. Uh, I stood at the entrance of Irithyll for a few minutes, taking in what is possibly the best area reveal in a Souls game. After spending a good bit looking around with my binoculars, I noticed that you can actually see Anne Orlando directly from the entrance, uh, the spiral elevator. This was a double mind blow of epic proportions, and ranks as one of my favorite moments in a Souls game. Later on, I noticed that Anne Orlando, once again, you can notice the elevator stairs, etc., can be seen from the high wall of Lothric just after Vort but only uh, if you haven't beaten Aldrich and Yorm yet. Uh, it's so cool that they did this. Uh, this is one of my favorite aspects of Dark Souls 3, that almost every area you visit, not including the underground stuff, can be seen from the high wall of Lothric. This is not done nearly as well uh, in previous installments, and I absolutely love it here. 
Cheers. And he does a little Solaire. Um, oh, yeah. Sun yeah part of it's missing. It looks like a, a just a bit of net code, but it's a little <laughs> yeah. Solaire emoji. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Um, I need to go uh, go check this, um, or at least find a good high-res image of it so we can include that in the notes. If true, that's yeah. great. Yeah, that's pretty neat. Um, you can see so because I it's like I get out the binoculars, mm-hmm. like I, I look around, but I, yeah. I I have not noticed that. And I, again, when we talked about it in the episode, I think it's just kind of an Orlando blindness. Yep. Um, you know, unless it's a very <laughs> specific piece of of architecture like that elevator, mm-hmm. it just looks like there are only so many like beautiful cathedrals. I can't have my heart broken again, Gary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Brian says, and this is Brian who we lauded at the beginning of this. Brian says, oh. uh, the invisible electric crocodog bridge is my favorite trademarked Dark Souls fuck you in Dark Souls 3. Um, it's such a wonderfully timed moment, moving from the idyllic beauty of the establishing shot of the city to the sudden panic of running into an invisible wall as a terrifying monster appears suddenly to gobble <laughs> to gobble down your insides. Uh that is, of course, assuming that you had no idea that there was a path near Farron Keep uh, leading you to a quest important key. To make this a question, Electro Crocodogs, yay or nay? Uh, I'm going to say uh, yay to Electro Crocodog, nay to Electro Crocodogs. Hmm. Uh, referencing something in the next episode. Yeah, where, where, you, uh, where you find them later. Um, yeah. I like their placement. I like the way they look. I wish mm-hmm. that they didn't fight um, exactly like the uh, the watchdog. Like I hate it gave, that it gave me, <laughs> yeah, it gave me. Yeah, I don't make light of PTSD, but it gave me a flashback too. It's like, yeah. oh fuck, this is exactly that. Yeah, um, this but, is because a lot of the same problems. It's less particle effecty mm-hmm. because it's not on fire, but it's still going to be the thing where you're in a shank yeah. attacking it. At no point in your field of vision is the wind up for it doing its 360 turnaround yeah. attack, and and like every angle on that thing is dead. <laughs> yeah like, i like this is this is gonna sound people are gonna make fun of me for this so i recently replayed demon souls i was you know talking reference that in the last episode and like man do i miss uh bosses that like like so if you're designing bosses and you play dark souls one and demon souls and the strategy is to get behind the boss most times mm-hmm. right like that's how you beat the taurus demon that's how you beat sif that's how you beat like a lot of demons you get behind them uh these bosses at some point, uh, partway through Dark Souls three and into or Dark Souls two and into Bloodborne and mm-hmm. uh, you know really really hard in Bloodborne and Dark Souls three, they just decided to like try to counter everything the player could do, mm-hmm. uh, and I I really kind of miss the old way of doing it. Like I <laughs> I like those bosses more even though they're not as difficult. Right. You know, like the bosses in in uh, Demon Souls are like fairly quaint uh, <laughs> in comparison, like. They're not super hard, but the whole experience, it's like a more of a holistic thing. Yeah. You know, than just like, like challenge, challenge, challenge. Like <laughs> there's this, the kind of the, the difficulty working its way into the marketing of Dark Souls mm-hmm. is one of the worst things that's happened to the franchise, I think. Yeah. And like has really made this arms race of just like, we're going to blow your brains out with, you know, boss kills yeah, and buy, shit. Buy me Dark Souls or go to hell. Um, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I think you know what what that is. That's proof that you're not playing these games for the right reasons, and you should cede your uh, your co-host chair to somebody who's actually good at these games. It's probably true. Yeah, um, probably true. What's frustrating about it is, you know, so they've they, they they took that they saw that criticism, like oh, every boss is you get behind them, and they they learned the wrong thing from it. The 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 lesson to my mind wouldn't be that you know okay every boss having a weak spot or you know like something you can uh, you know relatively safely exploit 
Um, mm-hmm. Like that isn't the problem to my mind. The problem is, oh, it's just the same place for everything. Yeah. <laughs> you, yeah. you know, like if, you know, what, what I would like to see and the more interesting thing, aside from just kind of like he can hit you wherever you're standing and fuck you, um, is you, know, you actually have to learn more about them. And I understand you're dealing with, you know, bipeds and quadrupeds. There's only so much you can do with that. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, obviously the back of them is going to be the back of them no matter what. Um, but, um, but yeah, like it just, it's, it's frustrating that they, it feels like they, they, they press the wrong button or like move yeah. the wrong lever, you know? Oh, to 100. Like I, yeah, I agree with you to hundred percent or like at least make the tells that they're going to do these things, uh, signaled from the back. Mm-hmm. Like you see that with demons, right? Like you fight the, um, the, the big, uh, uh, demon that you run into in uh demon souls and when you get behind him he flies up in the air and does like a butt stomp Mm -hmm. and same thing the stray demon does that's fine (laughs) like that's great because you can see it come like you i'm behind my camera is filled with demon flesh that moves that's my signal like i want to learn bosses Mm -hmm. you know i just uh it feels like the kind of changes when they've ramped up the difficulty for a lot of these things they that has not always been an elegant curve right you know like we we praised it when we talked about maria as being a very difficult boss that like you still have to kind of learn mm-hmm. uh, that gets harder as you go. Yeah. Um, and that's an ex like kind of sadly an exception mm-hmm. for these. So where it ends up being like my favorite bosses in uh, dark souls three are not the ones that everyone considers to be like the hardest right. generally, except for Aldrich, which people like have a much harder time with than I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the, and again, I just talked about how hard Pontiff Sullivan was for me. That's not me. <laughs> MLG Dick measuring, but the, uh, I didn't like, it just like, it's very rare that the hardest boss in one of these games is going to be my favorite anymore. Like it's going to be like the nameless King, which I fucking hate. (laughs) Like, I just like, I, I hate the experience of that fight uh, for so many reasons. And like, it's just that this, this arms race is just really a bummer. Yeah. And it's also a problem with like really large bosses too. Yeah. I mean, that's, and that's always been a thing. Yeah. Like the dark souls has never done gigantic monsters as well as maybe it thinks it does. Yeah. But people are disappointed when they're not there, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, people criticize Dark Souls too for having like bosses that were a manageable scale. <laughs> you know, so I'm really I'm sympathetic to them, like desperately trying to you know fix things in response to criticism, right? Like right. if you follow the series, they are listening to things that are said, even though they kind of make a corporate habit of saying that they don't. Mm-hmm. Like everything is just as it's intended. But then in the next game or further down, things actually do change. Yeah. Uh, so they they are they're doing what you should do as a company. You know, they are listening to feedback, but it's just. They're they're searching, so I'm sympathetic yeah. to it. But I would rather have an easier game that is uh, doesn't feel like ever feel like I'm just kind of getting fucked over, mm-hmm. you know. Even if it's a little bit easier, yeah. Like a, like a slightly easier Dark Souls <laughs> is still, you know, it's not like God of War. Like it's still pretty tricky, mm-hmm. um, and it's still uh, it's not mindless. You yeah. still have to think about it. Like I just I like that, mm-hmm. you know. And when when we're saying easier, we're saying like oh, Dark Souls one. <laughs> yeah yeah not easy yeah not easier like uh kirby's air ride like <laughs> right. I, I mean easier like dark souls one or dark souls two or Man, human souls people get so upset when we say shit about kirby air ride yeah it, it, it does beat itself <laughs> it's, it's a really good excuse for if you're saying an easy game you don't have to actually hit the accelerator like kirby will just move forward and win the game <laughs> uh, without you doing anything okay um so that that is what i'm referencing uh with that with kirby or ryan but anyway um so the, the, the miniature rant over but like i the thing with this uh this beast just really puts it into contrast for me yeah. or puts it into relief mm-hmm. 
uh, for me. Yep. So I agree. Uh, Crocodog on the bridge and in the river, like that, that, that river reveal when he just like comes after you, like that is so good. The way I wish I'd seen that. I'm going to craft my next playthrough to see that. So (laughs) the the, the way they use him, uh, at least in this portion of the, uh, of the level is fantastic. Um, the thing itself, eh, not that crazy about it. I like the way it looks like I, I like it's weird three eyes in a column, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And the one, the place where you fight two of them is fucking egregious. Uh, I, I hate that encounter. Like that's a, that's really, really feels overly difficult to me. Um, but we'll talk about that next episode. Yeah. Um, Joseph says via contact, the visual presentation of Irithyll is absolutely stunning. If favorite souls area were a beauty contest, this, there would be no competition which is a pretty huge compliment considering a series known for its amazing environments. But I also consider it a masterclass in level design. The winding path upwards from the second bonfire seems almost like a second tutorial, slowly introducing the player to the, to the diverse set of enemies, testing his ability to manage distance and the enemy's attention before opening up the ch- to the church square. From there on out, the critical path remains fairly linear, although it takes a lot of unexpected turns that start out looking like hidden areas. Remember that broken window in Anne Orlando? Kind of like that. Uh, but the sheer variety of enemy designs and the constantly shifting environment and frequent shortcuts keep it interesting and manageable. Yeah. This is one of the few pro things that I saw about kind of the uh, the, the design of the area itself once your boots are on the ground. Yeah. Well, I mean, we, this this plays into a little bit where you're talking about the end of the episode last time. Yeah. About how it being very intentional that it's a, you know, it's a roller coaster ride. Yeah. Um, I think I'm, I, in my, to my mind, Joseph is maybe giving a little bit more credit for subtly introducing enemies. Mm-hmm. Like, if you walk forward, you're very likely to run into your first set, like your first trio kind of right away. Yeah. Because there's one guy walking away from you. There's another guy who jumps out uh, and a guy walking down and then a guy who jumps in from the side as an ambush. Like, it doesn't ramp you in. Like, the way to do what they're talking about would be to have just the sword guy, just the Mm -hmm. shield guy, just the fire guy. Yeah. Then start mixing them up. And it really kind of shows you, you know, two of them and then three of them pretty much right away. Yeah. Uh, but other than that, I think that it does do a really good job of uh, kind of keeping your interest while being very linear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good uh, it's a good feat of sequencing. Yeah, yeah, agreed there. Yeah, uh, John writes in saying, "I found this to be the most challenging section of Dark Souls Three. Those mini dancers messed me up every time. Just like the big dancer was my challenge boss. Um, I still can't do it solo, unlike the rest. Mini dancers, I believe, referring to the Pontiff Knights, uh, moved far more while attacking uh, than most enemies do, and you had to be exact with your rolls. The gaping rat upon entering uh, the valley was also energetic, and I um, and I seemed to run out of stamina far too quickly. Oh, I just like an energetic rat. Yeah. Hey guys, what's going on? Hey, what? Yeah. Um, as to the city landscape, I was initially it was initially reminiscent of your discussion of uh, Hades Tower of Flame, um, and not being coaxed into thinking this this city was a copy of another city in Dark Souls One. But the pictures the Silver Knight uh, was looking at gave it away, though. Um, I know that uh, I know that girl anywhere that night looked like he had lost his love and given up, but it was all a ruse as an arrow pierced my back, flattening me. I guess I should have prostrated myself more for Guinevere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I didn't realize I was offline when I was playing. Um, I was mm-hmm. like, wow, there's no, uh, there's no, you know, great chest ahead or whatever. Like, you know, what would have, what a view? I was like, that's remarkably restrained. Are they filtering those out? <laughs> and then I went back through the area online and like, just, just yeah, people just, just ejaculated just that shit, shit all storm, over the place. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Garbage trash. 2016. <laughs> garbage. Garbage trash. Is that the ticket? That's what, that's what, yeah. Garbage trash. 20. If we make that our, our ticket for Dark Souls 3, then people will be right. 
about uh, about every mean thing they say about us. Yes. <laughs> we can't do that. <laughs> no, that, that is for people specifically who are doing the try both hands. Yep. Uh, so one, nobody masturbates with both hands. Uh, but... But two, uh, yeah, for people who are just doing sexist kind of gross messages about boobs. Um, <laughs> um, yeah. when, he, when he said that that night, or I would know that girl anywhere, I had a, I was thinking about the movie The Naked Gun, oh, yeah? where uh, Frank Drebin gets divorced. Mm-hmm. And he, there's a part where he's talking to his partner. He's like, everything I see reminds me of her. And he looks out and he sees those two, uh, you, I'm sure you have them in the Midwest, those like just boob-shaped silos that are next <laughs> yeah. to each other. Like the, the gigantic land tits yep. that sprinkle the Midwest. <laughs> um, it, is a, it was a very funny moment to young me who was way into the naked gun. <laughs> those are salt silos. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got a big, big floppy pair of salt silos, Guinevere. <laughs> um, uh, so, so there's an amazing thing. I think maybe I pointed it out to you uh, when we were driving through Cincinnati. Um, the Procter & Gamble World Headquarters has uh, two towers that are dome-shaped at the top. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, just a part of the Cincinnati skyline uh, is basically just building tits, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you if you look up uh, pic- pictures of it, we have another we have another building that is uh, the headquarters of the Great American, uh, like Great America Insurance Company or whatever, and it's mm-hmm. the the tallest building in the city, and it has this awful looking like armature on the top that is designed to resemble Princess Di's tiara for some reason. That's weird. <laughs> yep. But so you know, skyscrapers are dicks. When you're driving down 71, um, headed south, there is a particular angle where you can look up and see the tower right in between the, oh, <laughs> the wow, two yeah. mounds. And just yep, that's a that's a cock and balls in my city. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. Or a titty fuck. Regardless, you know. Yeah. For for uh for the the lard lad donuts to come <laughs> come do his do his nasty business yeah um, yeah uh, Alex says by contact uh, this area is incredibly difficult so I did what any good sun bro, bro sun bro would do and summoned help but invaders love that fountain bonfire we faced both red and purple phantoms right away the red phantom picked off my sun bro before he even made it up the stairs but to my amazement the mad phantom that invaded next turned on the invader and helped me kill him. <laughs> then just straight up executed all the knights, leading me through the level to the church of Yorshka. He helped me fend off another invader, but after we went through the NPC interactions, I discovered that I couldn't light the bonfire since he was <laughs> an enemy phantom. Uh, we soldiered on, careful not to accidentally dice each other up, and he heroically got me all the way past the distant manor through the second beast, uh, though the second beast uh, chewed through his health and healing. Uh, we were on the stairs up to Sullivan when he finally fell uh, out of Estes. I booked it back to the distant manor and thanked my lucky stars uh, for that unpredictable mound maker ever since. The cliff-like jump in difficulty for me led to some heart-stopping moments and showed me why I love the soul style of multiplayer so much. Everyone has a story of a phantom that leaps out at them as a character, personality and all, from the <laughs> wordless medium of the soul series. What more could I ask? That's a great story. Yeah, that's very nice. I never, you know, maybe with some of the complaining that we're doing about the difficulty of this area, like maybe it's balanced for multiplayer. Yeah, maybe. You know, maybe maybe they want you to summon here. Yeah. Uh, well, you you know, do have that kind of it. like uh, that vestibule. Like that fan, that fountain is like a Fight Club shit show. Mm-hmm. Like it is, uh, you know, when I've done my mad phantoming, that's where I did it. And it's hopping. <laughs> it, it is. Uh, but it's, uh, you know, maybe it's balanced for multiplayer. Yeah. I would uh I would love to try and do something like that, like come in as a bow maker, um, and make delightful, merry, benevolent mischief. 
you you really have I've tried that, but you have to have somebody who's up for it because yeah. when you go and fight one of the enemies, they think it's a ruse and they stab you in the back. Mm. Um, but it would be like maybe next time I play, I'm gonna do like I'm gonna go through every area with people mm-hmm. and just see how it's different because that is a new way of playing the game. It's easy mode, but it's a way of playing the game I haven't done. Mm-hmm. Like, how does this feel if I just have a bro with me the entire time? Yeah, it'd be kind of fun. Yeah, report back on that, please. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Kilo asks. Um, about invasions here. This was my favorite place to invade in the earliest days of Dark Souls 3. It's just a huge and varied area that you could end up with an intricate chase that lasted half an hour or more. You guys haven't spoken about invasions too much so far. Have you had any memorable experiences? Uh, like I said, I did, I've done some purple phantoming here, mm-hmm. uh, but typically what I do, uh, other than that, you know, times I've tried to like help out um, is just lure enemies. Mm-hmm. To them, like I just Pied Piper a bunch of these Pontiff Knights and then go slaughter somebody down by the fountain. Um, so I've done a little bit of that. I haven't done, I almost never Red Eye uh, invade, mm-hmm. just in general. And uh, I haven't been invaded very often. I get invaded a lot uh, by the Covenant in the next area. Mm. The Eldritch Faithful have gotten me a bunch of times. Okay. Um, but here I don't get invaded very often. Yeah. In fact, I can't remember. I can't think of one. Yeah. So nothing, nothing comes to mind uh, for an invasion that I've had. Like, and if I have, I've either dispatched them or it's been like, oh, that's a bummer. Like nothing is a a super memorable thing. However, um, I am walking through as a blue sentinel. Is that the right one? Those are the cops, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, it's like one of two cops because there's also yeah yeah you're, no you're right it's the cops yeah never mind yeah. um and uh, that's always fun because you know it's just a way to vary things up um and most of those encounters have actually been the same it's almost always folks no matter where I'm at pulling me into the undead uh, the undead settlement mm-hmm. and that is a crazy area to find two people in actually because yeah. when you like when you're pulled in you have like their health bars. And there have been whole times where it's been like, I really want to help you do, but I can't find you. Um, mm. But uh, a, a lot of those fights also kind of devolve into the red invader just running and taking pot shots as we're chasing after him. And it's like, well, we can't proceed and this doesn't benefit you. Why are you doing that? Yeah. Yeah. Well, some people just want to watch the world burn. I suppose. But yeah, yeah. that is the uh, that is my experience mostly is uh, trying to help people out. I will probably try to do some more PvP before we do the PvP episode. Oh, yeah, of course. Um, and that's something we didn't mention in the last episode. But after next episode is when we'll probably start sprinkling in our specials right? Uh, for this season. So uh, be on the lookout for those. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I'll probably try to do some more. But it's never going to be like I'm, you know, I, the most I did it was in Dark Souls 1. But it's never going to be the, the appeal of the game for me, you know. Mm-hmm. So and, and there should be a giant asterisk next to everything I see about this game for that, too, where people are like things I complain about where they're like, oh, it's good for PvP. Like, you know, maybe it's just not good for me being strictly PVE focused. Yeah. You know, not that my experiences don't matter, but it's like I'm sympathetic to the idea that like some of these problems I have, you know, are actually good for a different community than myself. Yeah. Um, Jeremy says by contact. On my first playthrough, my build was mainly sorcery. As such, by the time I walked onto the bridge leading to Aerithil, I was already basically speedrunning the game. Sorcery was doing such crap damage, I didn't really have a choice especially with my precious Estus split between gold and blue. So when the lizard dog spawned behind me, I did what every naked, underpowered sorcerer does. I ran like hell. Luckily, I had already cleared the cathedral, so I slipped through the weird-looking fog wall and ran straight to the bonfire. Lizard dog, however, stopped at the gate. I walked over and tried to whack him a few times through the gate without much success. Then he disappeared. I rested at the bonfire, ready for a rematch, but he never showed. (laughs) Jumped forward a little while later, 
uh, and I walked into a giant swamp at the bottom of the area, desperately looking for the next bonfire. Lo and behold, Lizard Dog appears again and eats me. <laughs> I was in communication with some duck feed people at the time, so I mentioned it. That thing shows up down there? It didn't for me, they said. And it doesn't, if you kill it on the bridge. God damn it. Uh, <laughs> which is how I learned that Dark Souls 3 really does love to troll players. If only I had dealt with my problems when I found them, I wouldn't have had trouble later. I can't help it, Miyazaki. I'm a born procrastinator. <laughs> yep, that's the level working yep. as intended. Yep, yep, yep. You can uh, you can cheese them with the the first time I fought them. I cheesed them with the fog gate. Hmm. Uh, the trick is you walk through the fog gate. If like your sword arm is through, you will hit him. Oh wow! And then uh, he will start to disappear. Then you walk back, and he'll start reappearing. Hmm. So you just don't let him despawn. Yeah. Uh, so you can make it work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh. Yeah. But thank you for <laughs> writing in with that. If if neither of us had had the uh, the second encounter go, um, I'm happy that somebody was looking out to make sure <laughs> that it got, oh, yeah. got brought up. You know, for sure. Yeah. Um, Bose or Boaz um, writes in via contact saying, I hadn't noticed until I played around with no clipping. Uh, but since there's two ways between Irithel proper and Anne Orlando, there's a specific trigger zone that turns on and off the thick clouds that hide Anne Orlando from view until you pass a certain point. Up until then, I hadn't realized that it was actually hidden um, like that while you're while you are in the lower city. I had an ideal moment while fighting my way down toward the river and the alcove where you fight the dogs. Oh, I've seen these hollowish dogs before, I think. Then I look a bit closer, and the dogs have human skulls. Now that's a cool, creepy image. Sorry, dog dudes. The dog dude afternoon. <laughs> I wonder, so that cloud, so the idea, I haven't looked into this very much. So he's saying that like, there are clouds that spawn or despawn depending on certain things. Mm -hmm. Earlier, someone said you can see Anne Orlando from uh, the high wall, but only after a certain point. Only before um, a certain I, point, it says. Yeah, only before a certain point. So I wonder if it's like the, the clouds move or something like that, if that's related. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, somebody should do like, to get a illusory wall on this to do like a big, <laughs> like, what you can like, see from different areas. Yeah, like what's what's hidden where, like, oh, just like a, just like illusory did trying to figure out what that building is that you can see from Majula. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's the crypt, I guess. Yeah. I would love to see that. Like, yeah. I would like, I would like to see a big gallery of like these different things. Yeah. Well, Such thing might exist, but... Mm -hmm. Um, also, this is a reminder that spoilers are off if you're just tuning in for this. I don't know why you're not, but um, there's a there's a wall of fog that is blocking where uh, um, that is blocking the intended graves when you're looking down at, uh, back at where Firelink would be. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. So like this fog is like tactically deployed to hide plot relevant shit from you. Weird. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Interesting. Uh, John says by contact. I had a very Gary moment when it came to Pontiff Sullivan when I beat him on the first go without any difficulty. His wide swings never managed to really put me in a threatening position, and his ghost companion never bothered me. In fact, the ghost has a pattern that mirrors Pontiff Sullivan. If you watch the ghost, you see him do a move. You can expect Pontiff to do the exact same move a moment or two later, like he's buffering or something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my friends told me about how they had trouble with the Pontiff, and some even put the game down for a while. But I've beaten him on the first go all the way up through New Game Plus 3. Jesus. Um, the final thing of note for me in this area was that our old friends, the Silver Knights, uh, were my old friends, the Silver Knights. I was filled with glee when I saw they were back, especially the one uh, who was standing in front of the portrait of Guinevere. That's just a smooth taste of what's to come in the next episode, though. Overwhelming disappointment. Uh, I have to say, though, that the Silver Knights bothered me a little. They came directly from Dark Souls 1, Poison All. You have to hit these guys a smooth three to four times, even with a claymore, to stagger them. 
Meanwhile, if they get one hit off on me, they're knocking me around like the rag dolls of the rats they used to trail around in my feet in the original game. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, yeah, I have not had that. I know what you mean by Gary moment where it's like it's just different for you than everybody. Mm-hmm. But I'm I'm the opposite of this. I it did take me more than one try for Eldrick, but I can beat Eldrick on the first try really consistently now. Yeah. And I know he's a stopping point for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So that is kind of the the Gary moment I had there. It's a um, it's a big one two punch here regardless. Yeah. Like Yeah. And there's such different fights that I could see a person who trapes through one having trouble with the other and vice yeah. versa. Yeah. yeah. One of the, like the way that I play Dark Souls, uh, which is very cautiously, is how you're meant to play Aldric. Yeah. You know, so um, the Silver Knights are kind of a pain in the dick to fight. I agree with that. And this reminded me of something I wanted to say uh, in the last episode, but just forgot. So I'm glad you wrote this. Uh, you know, as much as I've said, like all this Anna Orlando stuff works for me, mm-hmm. uh, Silver Knights weren't real. Nope. In, uh, in Anne Orlando. <laughs> what are they doing here? Uh, that's pretty frustrating. Yep. They, like, like as much as I do really like this, this reveal and this reuse of Anne Orlando, mm-hmm. specifically the Silver Knights undercuts one of the coolest things about that, the big twist in Dark Souls 1. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, the, the, the explanation would be, oh, they, they just crafted a new piece of armor because obviously they were in a little bit of a, a renaissance with this climbing back up and they still maintained the same reverence for the old gods, maybe like, yeah, but it's, it's like, yeah, kind like, of a new thing. Like, you know, I, it, it frustrated me that just kind of like, Hey, there are these physical things when here, you know, it's be, again, the, the, the problem we've always had, which is, it feels like it's three years later as opposed yeah, to three exactly. centuries or whatever. Um, yeah. you know, so like it, like the, in broad strokes, if you don't focus too hard, the, the way this stuff is used is real cool, but there are some real kind of like, like what has to be retcons happening with some stuff happening yeah. because it just doesn't nail the details in a way that like makes me not say like, wait a minute, what? It's weird too to have this game not nail the details because it's like when you talked about we talked about this last episode or during the appendix where it's like everything in Dark Souls is either or Dark Souls three is either spelled out a hundred percent or forty percent, <laughs> um, and this is something that I feel like this is one of the very few cases where it's like spelled ninety five percent, you know, with this one kind of big problem yeah. with this kind of thing, and that's not I mean that's accepting Yorshka, which like I don't have a something I believe about Yorshka, yeah, I don't really know what Yorshka is. Um, but like it is very like frustrating, and like 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 you said, uh, Pontiff Sullivan found some armors. He went down to Sen's Fortress, found a bunch of armors mm-hmm. like on statues or something like that. Like found found a set of armor and then started reanimating them again. Like that would have been fine. That would just been a cool thing to see in an item description to acknowledge this thing that like is canon in Dark Souls One. <laughs> yep. You know, like you didn't kill uh, uh, Gwendolyn in Dark Souls One in canon, but Gwendolyn's existence is. Mm-hmm. So the fact that that illusion was happening is canon. That's not up for debate. Right. Uh, so, yeah, that's that's frustrating a little bit. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and I'm sure that'll come up a little bit next episode as well, mm-hmm. uh, just because it is kind of a dick punch. <laughs> um, I'm going to round us here out here with Elijah and then I have a brief just fun because I want to acknowledge somebody who did something pretty cool. Um, but Elijah says, my friends and I were having a pool party. And after many hours and many drinks, I decided to tackle a Dark Souls boss drunk. Everyone huddled around the couch as I loaded up my save and jogged over to the as-of-yet-unopened fog door in Irithel. Despite my swimming vision and shot reflexes, I boasted that I'd be able to beat whoever showed up on the first try, uh, and everyone seemed thoroughly pumped. My memories of the fight are hazy, but I'm told it was mostly me rolling around manically and hurling expletives, including such highlights as, He summoned a ghost! You saw that, right? He summoned an effing <laughs> ghost! And that's cheating! 
<laughs> Amidst my friend's yells of encouragement, I managed to take him down on the first try, something I'd only accomplished with a handful of series bosses prior. Definitely not the best way to experience the fight from an aesthetics or lore standpoint, but it was a worthy trade for the experience of slaying a weird night dude to the roars of a drunken crowd. That's pretty fun. Yeah. That's great. I wish my friends wanted to watch me play Dark Souls when they were drunk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or that or that, that they would be impressed with that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I when I was when I was uh, putting this, you know, the the, the show notes, I was like, oh, it might be fun to do like a drunk souls run, just like a, you know, for, mm-hmm. uh, for for something like that. But like, I would ha- need to have Dennis over here because otherwise, if I was just doing that alone, the sadness of that it gets intense. <laughs> yeah, me and me and Nick and Levi have done two drunk souls things. Okay, uh, that are on YouTube. Like we did Demon Souls and Dark Souls One, mm-hmm. uh, drunk. Um, and we we should go back and do Dark Souls 2 and, and Bloodborne and stuff at some point. Because mm-hmm. if you have a group, it is really fun. <laughs> Even though those games are so long, like I wanted to beat them. And like we couldn't beat the Demon Souls one. Uh, <laughs> you know, and it's just like at that point, like if, you're, if you're drinking for six hours, <laughs> like there's something you that's something's gone wrong. Yeah, like, you're tailgating. Yeah, you got to pass out or something like <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Even if you have a big group of people, it becomes if it's not like a super slamming party with Shinji playing in the background, like <laughs> you, something has gone wrong. You say Shinji? I love I love pronouncing it as Shinji. I think that's very funny. So <laughs> welcome uh, Florida. Um, yeah, yeah, Florida. <laughs> oh. uh, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, that was a great story. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Intimidated by them, the only person who has a problem with this boss, apparently. But. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, um we have some just fun in here a couple of episodes ago i put out a call like somebody wrote in alluding to them having uh some pigeon stories and pigeon experiences um and uh gordon uh, as a listener who wrote in uh, i'm not going to share the entirety of it but told us told some cool stories about working at a zoo in scotland with uh, some victoria crown pigeons and nico bar pigeons and other kinds talking about their their behaviors and poops and that was super cool thank you i love hearing about birds um and there's even a ps here like we are just uh, uh kind of stranger than fiction in gordon's life because they say mm-hmm. ps pertinent to the rest of the of the last appendix i have also taken part in combat juggling uh which leaves a lot more bruises than i expected as there was always that guy who took it deadly seriously who was also that guy at parties <laughs> serious combat but juggler is pretty intense when, when you play the game of combat juggling you win <laughs> or you die, die. <laughs> um you're in the great game now and the great juggle is terrifying uh, yeah that's pretty intense that's very funny yep so uh, i just i just wanted to relay that I, I I enjoy that. If you uh, if you have any uh, stories related to pigeons or Dark Souls or anything, um, you can hit us up at duckfeed.tv forward slash contact. Uh, not everything ends up in the episode, but we read them all and we keep them all. Uh, so even if it is something that is uh, tangentially related, it may end up in an episode later. I don't mm-hmm. want uh, that to discourage anybody from writing in. Right. Uh, the mm-hmm. fact that it may not end up actually read at mm-hmm. that time, maybe read later. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we'd uh, love to hear that. Specifically, your thoughts about. Uh, I mean, uh, some of those kind of came through this time, but specifically the Anne Orlando uh, part of this area of Irithyll. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. And uh, do that. And, and also, if you don't have anything to say about that, but also feel like you have something about the dungeons or the pro, pro, uh, profane capital, any of that, mm-hmm. um, then, uh, you know, I basically file all of those away whenever it's appropriate and then pull them up. Yeah. And I'm, I'm looking forward to a, a group of people telling me that the, the twin gaping dragon monsters are no big deal. Because <laughs> uh, I think that's a really, really one of the hardest encounters in the game. Yeah. So have you fought those things yet, Cole? Uh, I, I mean, I, I saw them and I was like, eh, there's nothing that important back there. It's, it, 
it's it's how you get the ring of favor and protection i know it's such a good ring i know it's a good ring i don't want it yeah i mean i don't want it as much as you don't want to kill those fuckos (laughs) yep like and it's it's right in the eldritch faithful like section so if you're human Mm -hmm. and you want to summon help like you're just going to get invaded a bunch of times yeah by dickheads with spears. Uh, it, it's, it's the worst, those things. Um, but if you have anything to say about that area, please hit us up. Yeah. Yep. And then there's the usual stuff. Uh, backing us on Patreon makes a huge difference. We're doing more live events this year, and uh, people are able to come out and see us. Our next one's going to be in October um, at the Portland mm-hmm. Richard Gaming uh, Expo. And, yep. uh, you know, more next year probably but um yeah we're only able to do that with your support along with other stuff we're pretty close to uh gary and jeremy being able to do their days of future cast we're within 200 bucks of that goal yeah that would be fantastic the uh the guys who wrote a lot of the x-men animated series followed me on twitter Mm. and it was an awesome like yeah those like i want to send this back to my 13 year old self (laughs) moments that just feel really really good follow jeremy as well which is awesome yeah uh but that is uh if you haven't listened the pilot is up and it is a an affectionate but kind of goofy takedown and summary of that show uh and uh is is really fun to do yeah. uh jeremy is a delight so yeah. uh it's he's a hilarious dude definitely oh, i'm, ha- I'm, I happy, secret, I'm happy i secretly guys, love them i like yeah i'm I like happy to joke that about you guys uh, put, put, uh buried the hatchet yeah oh yeah i buried in his fucking back because <laughs> <laughs> this is all just a little sugar before the spice baby <laughs> I will send you to heaven before I send you to hell. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, <laughs> then you're going to fuck him? Like, what? Uh, yeah. Okay. Mon ami. Um, yeah, the, the, uh, yeah it, is, it is super fun to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jeremy, speaking of which, Jeremy's is somebody we met in person uh, after this episode. So. I know, right? Fantastic. Yeah. How cool. How cool. We are very lucky. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, please hit us up on that. And there are a lot of other shows like... You know, the, the, the sky's the limit on that thing. Like, it goes up quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But the final goal, which is, you know, fully three times what we're at now, is pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, and it's when we quit our stupid chump jobs <laughs> and we just do this. For, uh, we just do this. Yep. And, like, yes, that would be cool for us. Mm-hmm. But it'd be cool for you guys, too. Yeah. Like, that's the kind of thing if we were doing this all the time. Like, imagine, you know, more robust off seasons. Mm-hmm. And uh, and being able to, uh, you know, bonfire side chat, uh, this structure could live in some way like other series that would support it, yeah. you know, that have like these rich lores and things like that. Like that's all stuff that we could do. It's just it's a big time commitment. Like right now, bonfire side chat is not a huge time commitment because mm-hmm. we play through the game a couple times and then we play through it for the show. Yeah, uh, we could do something that is like. You know, if somebody were like, why don't you guys do this for the Witcher series? Oh, yeah. like we could, you know, <laughs> uh, if we could totally do that, if with with additional funding, because we wouldn't go to our chump jobs. Yeah, we wouldn't go work for the man like corporate stooges. Yeah, I mean, I like my chump job quite a bit, but I like this more. Yeah. So uh, it is uh, we love it. You know, we really appreciate people helping out. I mm-hmm. do that. If everybody who listens to this gave us like a dollar, mm-hmm. we would be just about there. So yeah. um, if you have it in your heart to give us a dollar a month um 12 bucks a year it's yep. like it's less than uh that less than an lp that you kids are always listening to um it would be it'd make a really big difference. <laughs> you mean a long play album yeah yeah a long play Whew. yeah yeah <laughs> so i don't have anything else to add add to that bundle up fellas Absolutely. and ladies because umbersa umbersa And we all pray that we will have far more soon 